Welcome to a very special bonus episode of the No Persinium podcast. That would be the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters, aka the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. That's right. We're going old school with this one because from a certain point of view, you could say that this is an expansion of no Pro episode 273, that's where we talked with a couple of the creative team behind Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge when it released last year, and today happens to be the day when the expansion to Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, dubbed Last Call, drops as well. So, uh, this uh, is all about the new expansion of Tales, which I got a chance to play uh, before I talked to everybody, and my review for it is on the site probably while you're listening to this, and indeed, we will talk about it uh, also tonight on the review crew. I'm very excited to talk about this, uh, not just because it's Star Wars, but because of the way the the, the release has evolved from, uh, from the first release to this one, uh, the way things of the original game game have changed uh with this new release really really just just fascinating uh to get into and i want to give a big thanks to the folks at the ilmx lab uh for um setting up this interview for us and also we had a computer malfunction on on the normal press day and uh and and had to stop the interview and they were kind enough to reschedule and uh and get folks in for us so Big, big thank you to the team over there for accommodating little old us. Uh, it means the world to us. So on that note, let's get into this interview. I hope you enjoy it. I know I did. And now we have the privilege of being joined by three members of the team behind Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge Last Call, the follow-up slash completion of Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, the VR experience. Uh, we'll start with uh, Jose, and then we'll kind of bounce around. Uh, I want to have you guys introduce yourselves because uh, sure. we've got three people and people need to track the voices. Yeah, so my name is Jose Perez III. I'm the Supervisor of Experience Design and Creative Development at ILMX Lab, and I was the director on Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, Last Call, which is a very short title, and we're really proud of how succinct we kept it. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> Ian? Hi, my name is Ian Bowie. Uh, I was the uh, lead experience designer on Tales from the Galaxy's Edge, and I also moonlighted as the director of the Bounty of Boggs Drift Tale uh, director as well. Hey there, uh, my name's Ron Min Ng. I'm the lead lighting TD on Tales of the Galaxy's Edge um, for our both installments. Excellent. When last we talked, Jose, uh, we were, I think it was like fall of last year, pandemic. We were deep in a pandemic at that point. Uh, and the first half of Tales had dropped. Uh, it's just under a year later, and now you're back. What's, uh, what's changed in the interim? 
Oh man, so much. I mean, one and and uh, my my partner was saying this at the be- at the beginning of this. There's this idea that you know when you spend a year uh, doing anything, you kind of would get used to it. And uh, weirdly, I think uh, some of that came true uh, during this pandemic. After about a year of kind of relearning our processes, and and Ian Bowie over here was a huge master of helping this uh, this whole thing work. Relearning our processes for how to make an interactive experience when you're doing it from home, it's very different. And so, um, you know, the first one was real challenge for us. I mean, I think we're, we're really proud of what we did there, but um, we came out of that knowing how to how to work in this atmosphere. And so um, I think what the one, the amount of content we were able to create for, for part two and the quality of it and how it ties into the rest of the experience, I think is, um, you know, really dramatically improved from, from where we were even a year ago. And so... Uh, Ian, I don't know how much you want to talk to this because, like, I'm I'm definitely a uh, you know I'm I'm uh, I, I'm I'll run around on the floor and talk to all the designers and try to get them going, but I'm not the best at uh, you know really great documentation and organizing and stuff. And and Ian here, uh, you know, really stepped up I think during uh, during this one to pull it together. So I don't know if you want to speak to that, Ian. Uh, sure. So like uh, a year from there, like we were just learning how to basically operate creatively in a remote situation, which is very different than when you can just go to someone's desk or grab someone, grab a whiteboard and start, you know, basically riffing together. It takes a lot more organization and a lot more uh, directness in terms of the way that you're conveying ideas in order not to waste everybody's time, tie them up in meetings endlessly. You want, pe- you want creators to spend their time creating. And so we worked on a lot of different ways that we can basically enable a lot of the team to contribute creatively, as well as uh, really upping our documentation game. So that way, the goals of what we were asking everyone to do or like what we were expecting from a particular beat or a moment were well expressed. And then we would invite in commentary on like, oh, how can we do this better? What's the best way to kind of take this to the next level? And so going through that process of the last year, I think, has made us all just on the design team, better designers. And I think as a whole team, just better communicators. So there's a lot of positive things that did come out of this that we're looking at moving forward. Uh, and as we you know, continue to learn like everybody else, like I hope that we get more opportunities to you know, do this better and better because you, know, you drop the ball sometimes and then some other times you're like, oh, wow, like we really nailed this. So, yeah, I think to, to Ian's point, I mean, communication is really, you know, kind of the, the key and in, in all of that. But the other thing that was, you know, really great and, and difficult, honestly, is when you, you know, when you ship something, you know, one year and then you have another year to ship another thing, you get to hear the feedback, you yeah. know. And so um, we're we're VR enthusiasts. We are all Star Wars nerds here. And we know we're, there's a lot of Star Wars nerds out there with a lot of opinions like us. And we listen, you know, we watch all the YouTube videos and, you know, Cat Claw is like my favorite YouTuber of all time. I don't know if you know who that is. And like there are these really great, like, you know, um, things that are going on out there. And I think um, being able to listen to them and react where we could was really great. You know, our story and kind of where we were going was pretty nailed down, but there were certain mechanics, the hover pack specifically and some and uh, just some feel things that, you know, we had thoughts on, but hearing, you know, the uh, the general audiences come in and have strong opinions on it really made us take a, a hard look at that. And so that's one of the great things about, you know, having a, uh, some time to reflect on the thing that you shipped as you're continuing to expand that project. There's a, a real big benefit and you can hear people's voice and react to it. And if I could jump in quickly, oh, yeah. just with regards to like, you know, it's, you know, our production um, timeframe is, is rather short compared compared to what we've managed to accomplish. And I think the reality is we learn so much as we're working on these projects. And I think it was great to have a chance to 
take the learnings from the first part. And I'm talking primarily about rendering because we've got, when I look at the first part, the the types of environments that we tackled and, you know, we were, we were outdoors, we were daytime, we were like, okay, well, we're, we're gonna, let's see what we could do. And I think by the time we hit, you know, like, um, last call, we we took on much more challenging interior locations, um, nighttime settings, like things that we thought, well, that's not possible. And then even the question of multiple characters um, that we could render on device at one time, like we, I mean, taking it to the finale, it was amazing how, you know, with our rendering team and our technical artists, we managed to just squeak out every bit of performance to bring as much, you know, complexity and beauty we can to to the device. There, there are a lot of different environments, there are a lot of different story types in this. So looking at the whole package, both parts, you know, there's a little bit of dark forces for those who know what that is. There's a narrative driven immersive sim with the Jedi, like two stories that are kind of in that vibe. You've got Ian's Gonzo IG-88 shooting gallery, you know, bounty hunter mission. And, and, and the duck under part has a bit of an Indiana Jones vibe to it. You know, I felt like a real relic hunter in, in there. Uh, why so many different modalities? Because that's got to be a challenge, not only from rendering different characters in different types of environments, but also different types of gameplay. I mean, why pack so much in to this? Right? <laughs> what, are do do what are you guys doing? Why are you doing it this way? There is a kitchen sink in there. I just wanted to point that out. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> You know, I think one of the cool things about being at ILMX Lab is that we're we're not just going out to make just another game, right? You know, I mean, we're all fans of video games and 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 all of that, but what we're going out to do is really um, try to create something new. And when you have a structure like this that allows you to explore those different areas, you're able to do something like say, hey, we've got this really cool idea for like an IG-88 like bounty hunting thing. Um, and it kind of works in this structure. Uh, Ian, you want to do a thing? And then Ian says, yes, and runs off and makes this like badass, you know, bounty hunter thing. You can't do that if um, you didn't allow for that anthological structure. And also, I'm just a fan of, uh, of you know, Tales from the Crypt and, and uh, the Storyteller and, and all of these like fun anthological shows that I grew up with as a kid. And so thinking about that Star Wars idea of you have this primary storyteller and as they tell these different tales, you get to go out and, and do that. That was all just really exciting. So the challenge was there. And I'm sure some people on the team would probably also ask that exact same question. Why? Why have we done all of this? Um, but for me, I think why we did all of it is for exactly what we have at the end here, which is this really cool, bizarro uh, smorgasbord of fun Star Wars VR that um, does have a meaningful story about, you know, the little guy standing up for the, the people that are, you know, getting knocked down by the, the, the oppressive people above them and, and teaming up with that, that family that forms around him and, and doing the right thing. And so, you know, I think, and you get to play some weird drums and, you know, have HUD hands and, and all that stuff. So, you know, having that structure and, and, and opening it that wide allowed us to, to be crazy and to take some of these um, bizarro challenges, like doing a completely edgy 88 mission. You could talk about it. It's totally different. It's like, yeah, you, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, by the way, now everything's different. And, um, and that's like you said, not easy to do. I don't know. Ian, you can speak to the challenges around that. 
Uh, yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of stuff that comes into it where just the expectations of like what it means to inhabit a character. And that's something we mm -hmm. think about really deeply at X-Lab is we really want to make sure that everybody coming in, like everyone who's seen The Mandalorian has expectations of how IG units move and how they basically go into combat. And now they're all from New Zealand, which, you know, yes, which, which, which up until a year ago was just not true. And now they are and I forever shall be. You just never heard him talk before. Yeah. <laughs> so good. But like the idea of basically trying to make sure that we're being true to the character and that character's particular story, their perspective, and as well as like the way that they would interact with the world is totally different. And we want to lean into that as ILMX Lab. Like you are a character in these stories. And so the way they interact from the character's viewpoint does matter to the way that we develop them. We didn't want to just put in, you know, an IG skin and you played exactly like you did when you are the uh, droid repair tech. We really wanted to make sure that we were being true to the characters that we're inhabiting. And that does mean new mechanics. It does mean new perspectives and the way that other characters view you. Like in the IG legend, characters are very apprehensive about you. Like you're a, you know, like over seven foot tall assassin droid coming in versus a droid repair tech. Characters react to you differently. And all that's so important when you're trying to tell this variety of anthological storytelling. Yeah, watching watching the the Rodian uh, freak out at, <laughs> at your appearance is like it's it's a great it's a great character beat, and it, it's moments like that that really I feel like show off the potential of of this idea of like action storytelling. And you know, just I just realized I, I want to ask you this one specifically: did did the raid at all inspire the structure of Just this IG-88 uh, level being like the, the, the film, the raid, if you know what I'm talking about? We definitely do. Uh, actually, the composer <laughs> for, uh, for that particular tale is Joe Trapanese, who did the score for the raid actually, and all of our legends. So basically looking at basic, like a lot of action movies take place in a single location in a tower. And a lot of them were inspirations from Die Hard to the raid. All of them kind of played a role in how we would kind of tackle this particular location because we wanted it to have that vibe. Uh, and we also wanted to have a really interesting progression and towers are so great for that of trying to get to the top floor. There's a very simple objective and you know, what has to happen through it. And then we would just play with that structure to tell the story. And Noah, if I could jump in quickly, just oh, yeah. with regards to um, the, you know, with regards to the modalities, I think what you're seeing is actually, you know, Jose empowering the, the team to take their best game forward, honestly, because, you know, with, with giving Ian a chance to like tell this story in each of the design levels is actually a reflection of unique in, individuals within our small team, really, who mm -hmm. were sort of empowered to go, okay, here's the story what can you do with it and you know and that that is very very you know reflected in every department whether it's environment tech art and everyone kind of comes in because they they want to do something they want to do something challenging so i think that's what you're seeing reflections of individuals but you're also seeing um you know a lot of uh, exploration and ambition uh from our team jose touched on this a little bit before um but I, I want to note, like, you know, more than last year's edition, this this version of Tales feels like it's in dialogue, not only with Galaxy's Edge of the Park, but, you know, even the fan culture. Uh, there's some very specific details that I don't want to spoil what those are because they're, they're too much fun. I told I told them before. Uh, they know what I'm thinking of. Um, how does being in dialogue with the fandom this way um, change the way 
you approach enabling what the studio calls story living. Cause like, that's such an interesting idea. This idea that like, you know, the, the studio does story living, yeah. but like, I got to imagine this, this conversation with the fandom uh, it becomes this two way street changes things a little bit. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, we are the fandom. I think it's, it's something that a lot of people don't get, right? Like, you know, I was born in 1977. Star Wars has been with me my whole life. Like, I'm a huge fan. And so uh, some of these things are, you know, listening to what fan reactions are and playing with those and figuring out how to incorporate them. Other ones are just us being like, oh, my gosh, you know, it would be so awesome. And we're nerding out and then realizing that fans latch on to it. And uh, I think some of the things you're talking about specifically you know, we have we have one very deep cut in there. There's a, a certain thing that you can sell at Mubos that is very hard to get at the parks now as well. Actually, not as hard as it used to be, but it got difficult for a bit. And, uh, and um, uh, you know, that was more us making a joke for ourselves because of this thing that's happening. Um, so, you know, I think I think we're a part of the fandom. And um, when you're a part of the fandom, it's easy to. To, to jump into these these things and, and get into that 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 dialogue. Um, you know, with the parks and how we kind of communicate back into that is a constant and, and is what I think is so incredibly exciting about this project is that it's not just, um, you know, a video game that only exists in this one small world. There's literally a physical part of this that continues on and continues the story like, you know, Mubo. Uh, this is a little little known fact and we, we, we hit it a bit in our story. Mubo has a very mad crush on Bina who owns the creature shop. And we have just like the littlest tiny hint at that stuff. But it's like that stuff that you don't quite get very much yet until you start playing through all of these experiences and seeing how they weave through. So, um, you know, I think one of the most exciting things about this, again, is that there's a physical world that's directly connected to this digital world and they communicate and, and there's a story that persists across both of those. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, I could spend the next hour just quizzing you and drilling you, but I know you've got to get on to making the next thing, whatever that might be. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So uh, Raman and Ian and Jose, thank you all so much. Thank you. Thanks, no thank you. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank Jose, Ian, and Ronman for being on the show. I uh, also want to thank Anthony and Sierra again for <laughs> resetting this up. They did not have to do that. That was super kind. Uh, we are talking about this on the review crew tonight. You can you can see my written review. Uh, you can also just randomly approach me on the internet and say, like, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> I will talk about this thing all day long. This is a bonus episode of the podcast. We've got another full episode coming up on Friday. We've got the Review Crew show, which uh, we're recording live tonight on Wednesday, but will also be uh, up next in the feed. So just swing on by if this is your first time out with NoPro. Uh, this was a bonus episode. Uh, the full show has like a whole bunch of segments and is about an hour long. And uh, yeah, I, I hope you uh, swing through. And on that note, I got to go uh, publish some things. So bright suns, traveler. <laughs>